Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retainer and I am broadcasting from here in the Hamptons, a place I have lived for over 50 years. I've written 12 books about this place and I've seen it grow through the years from small fishing villages to what it is today, a summer paradise for New Yorkers, artists, writers, musicians, movie stars, we have it all. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with the Hamptons powerful people, but I will also introduce you to residents who contributed to our growth through the years and you may not even have heard about them. Hi, my guest today is Dan Gaspi. You will remember him from the days when B. Smith Restaurant was rocking and rolling on Long Wharf in Sag Harbor for, I guess, 20 years, maybe. And um, Dan has recently been put on the board of Bay Street. As some of you may know, the restaurant closed because uh, his wife got ill. B. Smith was the restaurant. I know that you wanted to talk a little bit today about I guess, life on earth. So why don't you start where you think you should? And I'll jump in and see if I want to have questions about it. Well, Dan, you gave me a, you gave me a, a great place to start earth. Uh, I always like to believe there's life outside of the earth because I, I think that in the scheme of things, how insignificant this little, uh, this little ball is uh, third rock from the sun as the expression goes. But uh, what really matters to me I guess in the, in the total scheme of things, it's the perpetuation of life here on, on Earth and here on, in America and here specifically in the eastern of Long Island, which I love so much and my wife loved. And when we first came out here, not together, but separately, but when we got together, we looked back over the course of our first initial uh, interaction with the East End of Long Island, specifically with Sag Harbor, how did you uh, discover Sag Harbor? Uh, I discovered Sag Harbor uh, through a friend, and uh, he told me that uh, he had this wonderful place that was out in Long Island and that there were uh, African-Americans who uh, had summer homes. And being a kid raised in you know Brooklyn and Bed-Stuy, Crown Heights, that was foreign to me. And the first time I came out here, uh, I stayed at a house in what is, you know, called Azurest, and I actually didn't even stay because I didn't, I didn't know anyone, and I slept in my car at the entrance of uh, Azurest, and I walked the beach, and I saw all of these, these marvelous, you know, beach houses and cottages, and I saw all these people that looked like me uh, enjoying the good life, and boats were out in the water, and it, it, you know, it dawned on me that, you know, there was more to life than just working and, you know, taking a, a week's vacation at home. And uh, it set me out on an odyssey uh, independent of Barbara, uh, or B, most people know her. And uh, when she came out here, she, uh, you know, she came out here and loved that she was actually married and they bought a home out here. And, you know, she was from Western Pennsylvania, which is landlocked. And, you know, to see the environment that people dream of being on the water, being uh, in a, a community where people look like you, because that's so tra- untraditional, had been, you know, back in the uh, in the 70s and early 80s. Of How old were you when, when you came out first time? 22, 23. Yep. 24, you know, and... 
And I walked that beach by myself. And I said, one day I'm going to live in a place like this. Little did I know, I ended up buying a home on the water with Barbara that, you know, was uh, a great place, a fun place, a place that we did magical things and had people like Danny Glover and like Marcella Herzan, the, 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 the godmother of Italian cooking and Eartha Kitt and so many, so many people who came through and uh, cooked because we made our house into a TV set. And we said we were going to do it at that house and people laughed at us because no one thought, you know, these two people could, one, do a television show, a cooking and lifestyle show, and two, that we were going to shoot it in our home. And, you know, for uh, 10 years, we were on television in New York on WNBC and in 200 markets around the country and and 40 countries internationally. So uh, our dreams really blossomed in Sag Harbor. And the beauty of Sag Harbor, unlike any other Hamptons, was that you really saw diversity. And when we had the good fortune of opening our restaurant, uh, I met a woman named Candace uh, Malloy at the little fish store that was now Billy Joel's you know, one of Billy Joe's many homes. Uh, we met her and we were jogging and we kept running into her as we were jogging that very day. And by chance we came back and she was there. And I said to her, you know, jokingly, I said, I've seen you more today uh, in, in three or four hours because we ran down to the circle in North Haven, came back, she was driving a, her car, uh, a Range Rover, a pea green Range Rover. I'll never forget it because it's such a unique color to me at the time. And then we stopped in a store and she went into the store and then we saw him driving by again. And then finally we went back to the fish store because we would order our fish as we were running, come back. And then when we got finished running, we'd walk the beach back to our house. We saw her and we didn't make anything of it. And about two, two and a half weeks later, I get this call from this guy who talks very low. I basically said, hello. Uh, it's, it's, it's this Dan Gatsby, and I says, yes, yes, it is. It's, it's, who's, who's this? This is Pat Malloy. Uh, uh, my wife met you and your wife, and we we heard so many nice things about you and your wife. Uh, we have a we have a restaurant on the water. Would you be Would you be interested in taking a look at it? See if you'd like to, you know, own it. And we had no intentions of doing anything. It was our chance to get away. I was in television. She was doing her restaurant thing in the city uh, and Washington and modeling and doing stuff like that. And we were just beginning the start of our B. Smith TV show. And we looked at each other. And the one thing I've learned about life, always say yes if it's an opportunity. You can always say no later. We said, sure. I said, absolutely, we'd be interested. And a week later, he came into the New York restaurant. And uh, he uh, he sat down and he was there a little early, which I think a smart businessman always does. Get there early just to get the lay of the land before you uh, you know you, you have the meeting, so you can see who's there, what's what, and get a feel for it, independent of the person. Because usually they're going to tell you everything good about it, and you're not ever going to necessarily see what you can see just being there and observing with a you know unfiltered eye. And he came in and he saw you know, just unbelievably beautiful African-American people, but also 
he saw some celebrities there, and he saw the mix, which is where we need to be today in this society. You know, black, brown, Asian, you know, straight, gay, what have you. And uh, he, we talked. And we basically, I mean, we talk about the old, the good old days. We did, we did that deal. We did a 15-year lease on a napkin. And uh, he was a man of his word. So, you know, we had 15, and then we had another additional 15 after that if we wanted to. But as you mentioned so rightly, things were starting to change, and Barbara was starting to show signs of what I didn't understand what was coming, sort of like a storm coming. Uh, the you know the face of Alzheimer's is about to take a, a prominent part in, in our lives and certainly change her life. But that that's how I first you know that's my first remembrances of Sad Harbor. My other remembrance of Sad Harbor was there was a great guy who had a house on Main Street named John Scanlon, and sure. we became we became friendly with with the Scanlons. I can only tell you this. It was the most remarkable thing walking into John Scanlon's house. I walked in and I said, I've been there. Hmm. I've been there. And I said to John, I've been here before. And he looked at me and says, yeah, I'm, I'm having one of those deja vu, one of those, you know, I, I've lived in another place or person, but I, I felt so comfortable in his home. And I've never felt that way in any place else in my life. I said, I've been in this house before. And what was so amazing about that, Dan, was that no sooner than I did that, said that, I came across a book called American Beauty. And it was the story of Sag Harbor. And for some strange reason, I, I read the book, but I got stuck on a guy named David Hempstead. And there's a story about David Hempstead being a, a very prominent African-American. He wasn't well-educated, but he was loved by, by all. And uh, I said, maybe I came back as David, you know, as Dan Gaskin, I was David Hempstead, or I was related to him, or I had walked that beach or worked in that house or something. But I just became transfixed about the book American Beauty. And anyone that comes to the East End or goes to Sag Harbor should buy that book because it really gives you a, a real detailed history of Sag Harbor and, and the whaling community and what the American Hotel was like and the wharfs, the, the many wharfs that were down there and how this, and, the, and obviously the fires that took place, the, the great fires of Sag Harbor. But that's, that, that was my love of Sag Harbor and the East End. You know, every time I cross that Shinnecock uh, Canal, there's a sigh of relief, no matter how long the traffic jam is or how long it takes me to go from crossing the Shinnecock to, you know, to, uh, to, to Sag Harbor, either the front or the main road or the back road. But I just, I love Sag Harbor. And, and it was, uh, it was for, you know, 24 years, it was our home. So bring us up to date. Well, up to date was my, my you know, just my wife contracted Alzheimer's. She, you know, escaped or ran away or got lost or however people want to chronicle it. And it was getting too difficult to uh, stay in New York City and have two homes. And she was, you know, she was starting to lose her ability to discern things and, and, and her cognition was going. 
she was still super healthy at the time. And she would, we lived on the 35th floor of, of an apartment building overlooking Central Park. And the love of her life and my life in terms of living, to, you know, but she kept escaping, uh, kept running down the stairs and, and going through the different stairwells. And it got to a point where we, and I said to myself, I got to live someplace where, you know, she can have room and at the same time, I can have some sense of uh, stability. And so we moved to our beach house. And then as that evolved, she uh, started to walk out of the house and that became so uh, daunting. People would pick her up and I didn't know which way she would go. And, you know, you turn your back and she was out the door and uh, and she would, back then she would always end up at the American Hotel. I used to laugh and joke with my daughter and says, you know, she was like, you know, and I mean this in the most positive way. She was like Otis uh, in the Mayberry, uh, you know, the Andy Griffin show, who was the drunk that knew when to take himself to jail and lock himself in. And we we used, we used to call her Otis. Well, we know where Otis is, and we'd laugh because you have to have humor when you're going through stuff like that. But she would invariably end up uh, in, in Sag Harbor at the American Hotel, and she would walk the room at times and be the quintessential hostess of what she did so well for so many years in both our New York, Washington, and obviously the Sag Harbor restaurant. Well, she passed away in February. Yeah. Now tell me about your life without her now. Well, let me put it to you this way. My wife always had great timing. She, she I mean, I... I, I'll never meet anyone who had a better sense of just the world and the world around her and how to react. And she even knew when to die. I mean, she died, uh, you know, in such a way. And we had a memorial literally the 3rd of March. She died. She, she, she laid down on Valentine's Day of this year of 2020 and she just said it's time to go and from that day on she lasted seven days without food or water we tried to give her and 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 she just shut down yeah and uh on the 22nd she let go and, and i was i was devastated i was i was beside myself and uh, I, I will never meet another person who had that rare quality of strength and grace and beauty and who was a sincere person. She, she was not insecure, Dan. And I've been around people and been involved with who were totally needy for attention and needed to be recognized. She was not that type of person. She, she was the real deal. I mean, and uh, it's, it's, it's difficult at times because she she's, comes into my, my head and into my heart. And, uh, you know, I know, I know that I've found someone that was truly remarkable and never, ever got the credit that she really deserved. She was, she was amazing. Yeah, she was. And, you know, i tell you an interesting tidbit. We were basically the largest black owned business of any consequence from Montauk to Huntington 
for all of those years. There are no black real major black businesses that have an impact like we did. We had the most diverse staff. I mean, and we went through a lot of racism in that restaurant. A lot of people didn't want us in that restaurant. A lot of people said a lot of negative things. You know, uh, it was it was uh, it was harrowing. But she was she was uh, she was always above the fray. I mean, I had a card where uh, someone who was a, it was a card with Pope John on it, and it, it basically said, uh, "How dare you?" Because she was on Joan Hamburg's show on OR. She was on CD 101.9, the jazz station, and she was on WBLS advertising. And her voice, very few people had a voice like her. It was like opening a bottle of champagne, so crisp, so clear, so sparkling. Yep. And they would, send, they would send cards, Dan. How dare you? And I say this in the, you David Dinkins loving, and David just passed away. You know, Al Sharpton, uh, uh, cheerleading, you know, and you can... Think of what rhymes with trigger. Uh, how dare you sound white? How dare you fool me, making me think that until I saw your picture? We would get these types of things and, and uh, you know, get some of our staff where people didn't want to sit at the table uh, and have a black person serve them. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my, my general manager, Robin Pirro, told me one time, you know, someone told her that, that we didn't want anyone black uh, serving us. And she says, well, you better get used to it because the people who own the restaurant are black. <laughs> so we, we, experienced, we experienced what, you know, most African-Americans experience on a regular basis. And we were, quote, unquote, you know, on, on, a, on a different level in terms of the community. But we went through the same type of stuff. That, the, that, you know, a guy working a shift goes through or getting pulled over goes through or walking into a, a, a you know, the restaurant. And, and we had we had those instances, walking into a restaurant and no one would serve us. So someone would try to explain to us, you know, uh, what a dish was. You know, my wife wrote three cookbooks because they thought we were black and we wouldn't know. You know, it's like saying, well, you know, this is a souffle. <laughs> and it, you know, and it's and it's made with eggs, <laughs> and we look at them like, okay, you know, somebody with a thirty seat restaurant, you know, she would come in early and and ask to use the restaurant, the restroom, and they said for patrons only, and then uh, you know, somebody in the back of the house, or somebody would come in who was important and fawn all over her, and then the whole the whole thing flipped. It's sort of like it'd be like if you didn't know Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. You just think he's a big, tall black guy, <laughs> you know, or, or like what Oprah went through when she was at Hermes in Paris. They didn't know she was Oprah. You know, she was just another person to put down or to belittle. So we went, so we went through all of that. And, and it's very important, you know, when we're talking about my love and our collective love for the East End of Long Island, that I bring that in because that's part of my real life experience. And, and, part of what we've gone through and seen over the last three and a half or four years with uh, our, uh, with the president of the United States was an everyday occurrence for us about, you know, dog whistling and, be, and belittling and putting people down. So 
I know what that's all about, but I still, I still love this place because it's not just the place. It's the light. It's the water. Yep. It's, 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 it's the art. It's, you can walk down the street and eat an ice cream and, and, and see Steven Spielberg walk by or Alec Baldwin or, or Gwyneth Paltrow or Martha Stewart or whoever. And where are you now in your life? How do you how do you feel at this point? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I sold the beach house so that because she was escaping, I moved to East Hampton, and I have a very big house, and I made it so that you know. And she, we didn't have any children. I had a child for my first marriage, and she, she had her dogs. We had our dogs, and uh, and I, I love it. I love it. You know, and it's close. Uh, to Sag Harbor, it's five minutes away, seven minutes away, and it's three minutes from East Hampton. Uh, but I'm always going to be a Sag Harbor guy. I mean, that's, that's you know, in, in the spirit of David Hempstead, in the spirit of being in John Scanlon's home, in the spirit of walking that beach when no one, I knew no one, and I said one day I was going to live here. And then when we got together, uh, we met Kathy McCrossin and by chance, uh, she said to us that that house on the water was going to come become available, and we ended up having a great house that had more different types of people doing more different types of things and celebrating every kind of uh, imaginable uh, celebration. I love Sad Harbor, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know when my when my time comes, I'm gonna. I'm going to tell my daughter to uh, take my ashes and throw it over Sag Harbor. Just, I don't care where, just as long as it's in Sag Harbor. How are you spending your time today? I know you were just put on the board of Bay Street. Bay Street, yeah. I, I, get, I get chills thinking about the honor of being uh, asked uh, by, uh, about, by Tracy uh, Mitchell to uh, join the board. And, you know, I mean, when you look at what's, in town, in, in the village, and you look at what the vision that uh, they, they started and to just be a, be a part of, of the next South Harbor 2020 beyond, I'm excited. I mean, you know, this is a, you know, South Harbor is unique in that I always say you don't have to start your khakis to live in South Harbor like some of the other communities and everyone doesn't talk through clenched teeth and and uh, you know, there's a there's a camaraderie of of, of purpose and people that and mix and you know I call Sag Harbor and I love the horseshoe because you can you can walk down one side of the street, get to the end where Madison and May and Main Street, and come back the other side. And you can watch what you what you just passed or see what you should go back to, uh, and then you've got the water, and then you've got so many unbelievably different types of homes that are so close and within walking distance. And you've got so many artists and writers and, and people who have, uh, you know, who imagine and make things happen. Uh, what, what do I do? I, you know, I'm involved. We, we have products at Bed Bath and Beyond, Smith products and, and, and that, that are moving, uh, to different stores, uh, that's amazing uh, online and uh, 
you know, working, uh, we've been in discussions with Al Roker on a Beastmet bi uh, biography documentary and, and uh, you know, I'm working on that and then increasing the line of Beastmet products. Uh, that's, that's what I'm doing. And then uh, I'm also very, very proud of being involved with the American Brain Foundation. I've been a board member now for four years and uh, see how important it is after what my wife do with, went through with Alzheimer's, the opportunity to help bring awareness about what Alzheimer's and dementia and caregiving is and what wellness is and how important it is. And then seeing how it's, you know, like COVID is over indexed in black and brown communities, certainly uh, dementia, uh, the morbidity of that is, you know, it's like twice that of, of non-African Americans. And so, you know, I'm spending uh, part of my time being involved with that. And, and quite honestly, you know, after six decades on this, uh, you know, going around the sun with this, uh, with this life, you know, I just want to try to make, make some things better and, and leave a pathway for others to follow and to supersede, you know, supersede me. I'm glad that you pulled through this. You know, someone asked me, Dan, uh, what's the most important thing about life to you right now? Yes. And, that, and the most important thing to me is to give people who never had an opportunity an opportunity to say, if this guy could get this far, I can get there and go beyond. And so I try to do things that matter. And I try to do things that give young people a sense of, of possibilities. And I try to let people who may have been stuck in what they, what they can't do say, if you're 40, 50, 60, don't stop. You know, I mean, you don't stop. I mean, nope. you, I, I, I see that white hat everywhere. So, uh, and I'm proud of, I'm proud of, you know what, I'm proud of our 30 year friendship. I'm proud of the fact that I remember when, you know, we would have breakfast or brunch at your house, you know, and, uh, and you were always, from the day I met you, both B and I, and I can speak for her without hesitation, you were always one of those guys, you know, whether we were at, the, you know, the, Harvard Club, or or, or and we ran into you, or you were at the restaurant. I mean, you were always welcoming, and that's what makes the East End of Long Island is that people who rub shoulders with people who make a difference, not only here in the East End, but in America and around the world. You get out here and you get a little East End air in you, and uh, it just it makes you want to mingle, and that's what I love. A little difficult in the COVID period. Yeah, but you know what? You still got the light and you still got the, the ability to, to walk up one of the many beaches sure or the stand and, and just enjoy people coming by. Even with masks on, you can see there's still joy in, in their eyes for being here, you know? Yep. Hopefully it's going to be all over in a couple of months. Well, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, I think it's going to be a while even with the vaccines that are coming because we still have a segment of the population that for whatever reason doesn't want to believe that this thing is real. And so it's going to take a while, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm positive and uh, I'm realistic and 
know, and I'm and I'm thankful for whatever time I have. So I appreciate I appreciate just being here and being in this lovely setting and having having friends and neighbors like you. Well, thanks very much. I I'm I'm talking to Dan Gatsby and we're winding up. And I was glad to have you as a guest on the show and see you uh, in Sag Harbor. We'll see you at uh, John Steinbeck Park. Look forward to that. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.